Crock Elite, a podcast about no effects. Ding, ding, time for round one of the punching. Um, for those of you listening, I've just walked across the ring dressed in a swimsuit, holding up a big number one. It's Punk Rock Elite Podcast, a podcast about no effects with them, Red Redmond. It's, it's me, Red Redmond, and them... Uh, Eddie French, that's me. Hi. That's, 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 that's you. That was seamless. That was pure liquid podcasting. Uh, how are you doing, Red? I'm, I'm very well, and I enjoyed that very subtle Alan Partridge reference. <laughs> yes well uh you know that's that's how we do things around here liquidly um good uh oh it's uh it's uh an album uh well it's uh it's two eps today it is two eps two two good eps as well two good two very different yet good eps uh, I'm really looking forward to getting stuck into this one i think we have a really fun chat about these and i think yeah. it's like a little bit of a a deep dive for like the more um the more weathered uh no effects fans today yes this one we're, we're talking about something that is it's almost spoken about in hushed tones <laughs> you know what i mean it's like it's not like it's a secret but there was that you know there's a time when um you said when someone goes uh I, i've seen no effects saw the decline just yeah. add, add that one in but whether you know, it doesn't matter whether you saw them in a people because you know some bands go. After I saw Bad Religion when they did a tiny club, I saw Rancid at Gilman Street. You know all this kind of stuff. <laughs> no one really talks about when they saw No Effects in a small club because let's face it, when they were playing the small clubs, they weren't that much to shout about as a live band. Well, also you know some people can't sit through a two-minute No Effects song, let alone an eighteen-minute. One. That's true. This is sort of the insides of Guantanamo Bay for some people. Um, it, but before we get onto that, how, how are you, Eddie? I'm all right, thanks. Yes, um, f- uh, forgive me if my uh, voice is a little crackly. I, um, I, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna shout out the promoter who gave me the gig. I did a gig last night for Silky, uh, Paul Silky White. Paul Silky White is another baby. She's gone tomorrow. Nice. Um, I recently well, found out that a comedian I'm gigging with next month, uh, Ori Styler, fits perfectly into Holy Diver. Nice. Ori Styler! That's pretty good. Um, so Silky actually fits into two Ace of Base songs. So you can go, Paul, Silky White, it opened up Very my eyes. Good. Yeah. So Very Paul, good. Silky White. Have you heard the theory that Ace of Base are secretly Nazis? Yes, I've 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 read that article about how uh, one of them was very much in the white power movement mm. and was in like a sort of power violence, you know, like a, a far right sort of skinhead band. Well, apparently, then... Ace of Base is, is named after the base of Aces, which was a Nazi submarine base. Oh. <laughs> um. <laughs> uh, it's it's possible uh and also yeah um all that she wants is another baby she's gone tomorrow is apparently about like welfare yeah people having children just to get welfare money i'm i, I mean the band have denied it that I, I i i read that they like have been like yeah we believe some they, they sort of bad brains did they were like we used to be awful right people. okay yeah <laughs> 
Yeah. Uh, back when we were merely 30, we used to think these wacky things. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think Bad Brains held their unpleasant views when they were like 19, 20. So, and I, you know, anyway, that's for another time. But yes, um, Silky runs a uh, a comedy company called Kill for a Seat. If you ever yes. are near a Kill for a Seat gig, do go because it'll be brilliant. It'll yeah, be really, really good. Like one of those local comedy promoters who's just, you know, an all-round good egg. You'll you'll find him in... Uh, he'll be mentioned in various uh, comedian biographies, autobiographies and stuff. Mm-hmm. People talk about... Uh, people mention Silky. Um, his name pops up every so often. He'll get a text saying, Oh, Alan Carr mentioned you in his autobiography. And he goes, Yes, well, I'd hope he would. I gave him a load of gigs. No, he didn't say that. He's not. He's not that ungracious a man. He's a very <laughs> gracious man. Um, but yeah, that was fun. He does a uh, in uh, Meanwood in North Leeds. He does a a music and comedy night where the uh, acts are encouraged to do um, non comedic songs as well as their comedy stuff. So um, mm. I did two um, uh, two actually directly as a result of the last uh, episode that we put out. Oh, cool. uh, with Frank Turner, I did um, try this at home, which uh, is directly uh, inspired by the decline. For those mm-hmm. of you who have heard that episode will know why. Uh, those of you who haven't, what on earth are you doing? F- finish this one first and then go backwards and uh, listen to the Frank Turner one because it's great. Mm-hmm. And I also did uh, True Trans Soul Rebel by Against Me because nice. we spoke a little bit about Laura Jane Grace um not enough because no one can ever speak about her quite enough uh so that was fun and my regular um uh music based comedy that i haven't done for ages and uh, it was nice to brush off the cobbed webs great how about yourself oh what have i been up to yeah just like you know like boring stuff staying alive uh just related boredom (laughs) <laughs> uh yeah basically i've mostly been working on uh the the, the agency that uh, i operate fruitcake uh we're looking at potentially signing another new act oh, cool. um and i've run a couple gigs uh but you know just just the same old the usual well let's put it this way last night i was i was headlining a comedy gig and uh, doing well at it um i'm not going to go so far as to say smashed but um that's for the people there to decide that i did that but equally this morning i have visited three supermarkets uh before uh, doing this so um it uh, i think the i think the yang has definitely come knocking to tell the yin right off so is is that I'm, um so you visited three supermarkets is that like you you're on you scouting out deals basically i uh aldi for every days yeah tesco for the uh more specific vegan mm-hmm. stuff uh-huh. uh your tofus uh and also your world foods like your pardon me your gram flour it goes into my homemade seitan um and <laughs> um and kapati the uh polish supermarket for various fruit teas that's clever you see mm-hmm. that's yeah we because we we sometimes do a big shop at aldi but you realize three quarters of the way around you're like they haven't got everything they don't. What they do have is um, is precisely, uh, well, 
less so more and more but you know is is to go well this is precisely the amount that one should be paying for this product and then you go to a bigger supermarket and you go this is a stupid amount that yeah don't get me started on the fucking soy anyway Mor- morrison's basic uht no vitamins added whatsoever that's 50p uh, a liter aldi their standard good stuff is 50p a liter. it's just anyway unbelievable so anyway, this is our cool punk rock podcast. Anyway, <laughs> I uh, let's um, let's let's flash back now to when we were really, really a lot more punk, possibly in the eyes of the people listening. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we're going to be discussing Timmy the Turtle and uh, a two-track EP. Oh, two tracks, nice one. Uh, and then the very lazy decline, which is a single track EP. Can you even <laughs> credit? No such effort an idea? put in. Oh, unless you got the seven inch, uh, which had um, clams have feelings too on the B side, if I'm recalling correctly. <laughs> I will actually. I'm going to make a quick uh, amendment to the content of this main body. I think I have put forward the idea that Baz the Frenchman, who orchestrated the decline. Mm-hmm. Did it as some sort of academic pursuit? Yeah, that's what I thought was the case. Yes, I I saw an interview with him, and there aren't many, um, but it sounds like that was just something he did. Oh, he 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 had no background in orchestration. He had no sort of real knowledge of it. He's a drummer primarily, um, <laughs> and uh, he did um, he did these vocal harmony collection things these sort of acapella slightly barbershoppy medleys of no effects no use for a name uh rancid fat records through the 90s you know th- those kind of things mm-hmm. and someone said you ought to do the decline and he went oh just voices for 18 minutes would be too much and yeah. then he started thinking and so that's how it came about that's the origin story of that i was i was repeating something i'd heard and didn't bother checking which is foolish so Apologies for that, um, but uh, let's let's go and listen to that now, shall we? Let's. Cool. Kablamo! We've just burst in through the wall like a couple of superheroes. Absolutely. Here to talk about our favourite superhero, Timmy the Turtle. We just sort of smashed through the wall like Aerosmith in, in, in their shared video with Run DMC. Yeah. And uh, yeah, gone through there. Um, but first, what we did was we looked at the wall in a very sassy way mm-hmm. because some scratching happened. I, the best bit about that video is um, when uh, Steve Tyler goes to break his his mic mic stand through the wall. Mm. He does a little twist on the spot first, as if it gives it more power. It's, it reminds me of like like wrestling, like where they do like a little move before they kick you in the face, as if that makes the kick stronger. Oh, he's sort of, it looks like he's screwing his feet to the ground, like he's sort of <laughs> planting himself with for extra strength. Like, I think it's rude. <laughs> I imagine in wrestling, it's because they need to let the other person know they're about to kick them. A hundred percent. I think it, I think it's a, um, uh, one of those ones where uh, you've got to signpost everything because uh, you are going to hit them, but they need to know they're going to be hit. <laughs> as, as is my understanding of wrestling. Again, um, if we'd got Will Hodgson onto the subject of wrestling, we could have been here 
for a thousand a thousand hours because uh, Will was briefly a professional wrestler, the Wiltshire Wolfman. Wolfman, <laughs> a wolf them, a wolf them, yeah. But yes, I just I, it was Wolfman, but I pronounced it Wolfman for some reason, as if <laughs> as if it was a surname. But um, that's brilliant, but, yeah. Um, <laughs> of the Hampshire Wolfmans, oh yes, yes, absolutely, good. Um, so <laughs> Timmy the Turtle, yeah, released in May 1999, but it was recorded as a part of So Long and Thanks for All the Shoes, those sessions. Really? So they were sat on this for two years, recorded in August 97. And, uh, yeah. I mean, I can see, you know, like, I enjoy this EP, but I can see why they didn't add it to So Long. I don't think these songs fit alongside um, So Long, necessarily. No, no, they, I mean... And also, I mean, first off, if anyone is, uh, I mean, some people might listen to this. If if they if we're covering a thing they might not have heard, they might go, well, I'll go and listen to that. You did listen to the right song, by the way, because it is not sung by anyone from No Effects. It's sung by Duncan from Snuff. I was going to say, it's got to be a British singer. Cause, yes. Because it's got like a turtle. Turtle. Timmy the, the turtle. turtle. Yeah. yeah. Yes, it's uh, yeah. Duncan from Snuff sings the lead vocal. I have no idea why. Fat Mike's only a big fan of Snuff. He gave them a lot of money to record an album because they'd split up, and he said, "Don't split up. Record an album. Here's some money." And they went, "Yeah, we can do that." So, <laughs> so if you're a Snuff fan uh, and you think Fat Mike is a prick, well, give the devil his due. <laughs> uh, or if you hate snuff, then Fat Mike might be a prick. But you know that's uh, that's fine. I don't know why anyone would hate snuff. They're they're great fun. But yeah, so um, not much to be said about this one, really, is there? I mean, you know, like I do think they are good songs. This EP reminds me a lot of the How Effects EP. Like, I mean, I, I was mainly talking about Timmy the Turtle, the song. Sure, because I think the plan is, is a lot more to it. But um... oh, Rick, because of the two, I prefer Timmy the Turtle. Really, okay, I suppose cool. takes us back to the Ho Effects, which is exactly because... like Ho Effects now. I think about yeah, absolutely. yeah, because I, I much prefer. Um, we are on drugs. Drugs are good. Drugs are good. Sorry, are you talking? Are you thinking of Weezer? I am. Yeah, we are all on drugs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was a really boring song. It's a really boring album, make believe. Oh, I don't know. I I stopped after a while. I uh so did they. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, I didn't but... stop them releasing albums. <laughs> yeah. No, it didn't. But uh yeah, it's a great shame. Poor Weezer. Um yeah, so that this was um this was just a, a nine thousand four hundred and ninety nine copies on green vinyl. Hmm. So it wasn't really a proper release. I'm doing air qu- I'm not even doing air quotes, I'm saying I'm doing air quotes, but so this was uh, another one of those um, punk releases. Just one of those. We'll put out just under ten thousand copies and see what you know. So it turns into a thing. Uh, you can hear it on forty-five or forty-six songs, and it's just about the guy. He used to uh, play in a band called The Grim, and he used to count people. He used to stand there with a clicker, um, counting people in at the concerts so that promoters couldn't claim there were fewer people in yeah um that's the that's the story there 
you can you can actually hear Timmy the Turtle on theme for a theme from a No Effects album on the next full length uh, recording. Ah, because um, you know, right at the end when uh, they're all joining in, you can hear he goes, "I'm Timmy the Turtle." He counts and he clicks. Fair enough. So he's got all these little clicker, and you can see on the artwork there's a little sort of cartoon turtle who looks sort of quite dozy, but he's got a little uh, person clicker. Like a little counter, like bouncers have at nightclubs and stuff. Yeah, like, and I, I think I, I really enjoy the album artwork. It sort of reminds me of the longest line artwork they did. Yeah, a little bit, but colorized. Hmm. So, and then we've got uh, the plan. Yeah, a bit, a bit of an, an, a nothing song for me. Like, I think it's good, and I think it's got some very good harmonies on it. The harmonies are what really sell it to me. Yes. Uh, I like that a lot. It's um, it's uh, a sort of... I mean, it, it says in the opening line, call us libertarian because we do as we, pr- as we please. It seems to be a <laughs> sort of... One of those sort of slightly more left-wing libertarian... Um, uh, or le- uh, left-wing... What's the word? Interpretations of libertarianism. But it's sort of the idea of um, just leave everyone alone and it'll all be fine kind of thing which is which is hard to argue on paper i guess so mm-hmm. um so it's a little i mean the the lyrics are a little drab and preachy but i like the the music a lot yeah uh, i think some i think this one sounds sounds more like so long and thanks for all the shoes yes. than than timmy the turtle does um but still doesn't bring, I I I have problems with this because I for me so long thanks for all the shoes is so set in stone any variation to it is anathema so I can't really um objectively say whether I think it would fit on the album or not but my my initial feeling is not really mm. yeah I I mean like I think so long is possibly NoFX's most unique sounding album. I know we've, we've spoken about this like uh, in, in a recent episode, but like it's got such a specific sound in terms of, you know, we spoke about how uh, trebly it is, not many, not much low end. And yeah. I don't think any of their other albums sound like that. And I don't think that these songs do either. No, uh, the production does sound different. It says it was recorded for the same sessions and uh, sort of, well, okay. And then something must, I don't know whether they recorded them but didn't complete them and they completed them later because it just says when they were recorded rather than when they were like produced and stuff. So they might have been sitting around for a little while and I don't know. (laughs) It's possible, but... um, there we go. For the sake of completion, we've done that. It's uh, the entire thing is four minutes and thirty-eight seconds <laughs> uh, for uh, for the EP. Um, three three of those minutes are going to the plan, and uh, the rest to Timmy the Turtle. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I think I think if they'd called this EP the plan and had that aside one, it would seem more like a sort of statement. Yeah, because sure. the, because it's sort of a kind of a political song, or a sort of social commentary kind of song. It might have seemed, but 
but having that as the b-side to a sort of fairly silly song about a mate of theirs i don't know i don't know i'm 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 trying to milk more than two minutes of material out of this, and they didn't. So why should we? <laughs> so, um, so I suppose now we've uh, we've whetted your appetite. Uh, we're going to go for a uh, a little word from our sponsor. This is Audible. No, um, we don't have any of those. <laughs> it's a good Audible as well. Yeah, <laughs> I uh, yeah I hear stuff and I can say it back again. <laughs> My girlfriend's so lucky. <laughs> I do spend an inordinate amount of time just describing things as if I were Christopher Lee on a, an interview about things. We, we watched a we watched an interview uh, or a, a, a thing where Christopher Lee was um, talking about old uh, old films. He's looking back on his career, and there's a bit where he just says, um, "And here in my hand, you'll see I'm holding uh, what I'm reliably informed is the last remaining piece of the Wicker Man." <laughs> And I just love it because he puts the emphasis on man instead of wicker. It's just on the wicker man. It <laughs> really, really makes me laugh. That's like how, how Matt Berry says Kit Kat in Mighty Boosh. A Kit yeah. Kat. Yeah, that kind of, yeah, it's like that. <laughs> so that's why I sort of say to my girlfriend, would you like a cup of tea? <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's, the, that's, that's what I've been doing. So anyway, um, yes, so the, uh, the decline. We get finally to talk about the decline. It's big, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. Um, I'm really excited that we're doing an episode on The Decline. I'm sure some listeners like this will be one of the ones they've been waiting for because I think it is uh, quite close to a lot of NoFX fans' hearts. It was a really interesting thing because you find out it was announced in Kerrang! and all the other, well, a lot of the other music things. And it's like... No effects are releasing an EP that is one song that is 18 minutes long. Mm-hmm. And people were like, my attention is got. <laughs> Let's have a listen. Um, and I think the surprising thing is uh, how consistent it is and how there's not really any any fat on it. Yeah, I mean, like, it's a really, really impressive composition. And, yeah. you know, it's taken me the the research for this episode to, like, truly appreciate it. Because, you know, of course I've listened to it before. Mm. But it's one of those things where, like, you know, to listen to it, you really do need to set aside 18 minutes. Like, yeah. Um, so, you know, it's not a thing that I've, I've done a, a lot in the past. But obviously in the last week I've listened to it quite a bit. And... Um, before doing this research, if you would have asked me, what is my what what do I consider to be the, the greatest composition in punk rock? Um, I, I would have probably said uh, May Sixteen by Lagwagon. I think it's yes. phenomenally um, put together. I, I just think it's a really impressive piece of music. Hmm. But now, following my research, I would say without a doubt it would be the decline. It's really something and it's it has it has sort of motifs that come back a little bit but that nothing's fully repeated yeah like a like a symphony like and like a lot of no effect songs you know like yeah. we, we've spoken about like linoleum is obviously like you know there's no fat on that there's no re- repeats there really mm. um 
but it never sounds out of place. Uh, I, and I think this is where like Fat Mike's uh, songwriting really comes into its own because like he is capable of writing songs that sound like they should sound, but also, you know, there's there's no repeats, there's no chorus really. Um, the closest you get is the um, the the trombone refrain. Yeah, which is more sort of a, a weird sort of fanfare, I suppose. Well, um, it reminds me a lot of, is it Mattersville? We uh, will it, grow old together. Huh. I hadn't even put that together. It, it does have, uh, it does have that. Yeah. It, it like, when I, when I get it stuck, when I get the decline stuck in my head, I actually get Mattersville stuck in my head <laughs> because it's the trombone that I remember. Wow. And it's a similar melody. Well, that, now everyone will. Um <laughs> That's 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 a wild that's a wild catch. I didn't I hadn't even thought of that, and it and it really does. I can see exactly where you're coming from with that. Um, that hadn't occurred to me at all. But yeah, and that's that's great. It's like Mattersville would come later, so I wonder if mm. you know, like they were writing the decline. They're like, oh, that's a really good med- melody line. We should use that again sometime. I don't know if it would have been that conscious. Yeah, I think possibly. It's possible that it was like, and then would be thinking, well, I can't think of the words that would go with that. So I I can't (laughs) have already written, maybe, maybe, I don't know. It's interesting. The, uh, well, um, it was uh, Lars Nylander of Skankin Pickle played the trombone on on that because uh, at the time, Hefe didn't play the uh, trombone. Because didn't they just buy him one to see if he could play it, and he could? Yes, I think the um, <laughs> it was on the uh, on the gotten worse live where they because they do it with um, uh, beat and different drum, and he plays he plays it on that on the sort of the the slow the sort of the the scar version that then goes punk rock, uh, and I think Mike says, uh, oh. Um, we said, Hefe, can you play the trombone? He goes, I don't know. I've never tried. So we bought him one and he can play it just fine. <laughs> but, yeah. but he plays the valve trombone, not the slide trombone. So uh, ah. it's a bit more, it operates like a trumpet rather than um, as we might imagine a trombone to uh, play. So maybe maybe if it had been a slide version, he'd have, well, he'd have probably learned it fine anyway. But, you know. He was able to pick it up straight away because it's very similar to the trumpet, but it's uh, still very, very cool. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So there's, um, so yeah, so it's eighteen minutes. It was released just on a single. Uh, it was as an EP because it was too long to be a single, essentially. And also, NoFX don't really release singles; they like EPs because they're punk. So it was recorded in June of 1999, released in November of 1999. And uh, I don't think it was... uh... Oh, yes, that's right. The CD uh, has one song, and then the vinyl includes the B-side of Clams Have Feelings Too from Pump Up the Valum. Okay. Yeah. Which... I mean, that to me is a head scratcher, but absolutely fine. Um, so, oh, the first 155 seven inches were pressed on clear vinyl. Just because. They... So those are probably worth oh, quite yeah. a bit these days. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But it says, this version is no longer available. Yeah, I, I, I guessed. 
I uh, I remember when some friends of mine bought the EP and we were visiting their house on the way to someone else's house and there was a real dilemma because people were like oh we've got to go to the other house because someone's scored some really sweet hash um we got to go over there and pick out the plastic bags before we can do a bucket of it and we go all right then um and then they go oh we were just going to listen to the new no effects song it's 18 minutes long and and i remember just going do i just follow on later or do i and uh and in the end peer pressure got to me and i only heard the um hi-hat and the first couple of jing jings sure and uh and so yeah uh Something which I I did later go on to regret, uh, not listening to no effects is decline. So <laughs> um, he was more of a metal guy, Chris Lee, to be fair, wasn't he? But um, anyway, uh, so yeah, so I, it took me a little while until I uh, I, I got my own. Did I get my own? Yeah, I, I I someone someone put it on a mini disc for me. It was 1999. Everyone, come on! Don't, uh, don't hate the game, not the player. So um, that was, and so yeah, that was very, uh, that was very, very interesting. What's the, what sort of bits were the bits that stuck out for you initially? I mean, obviously, you know the the trombone that reappears a few times. Mm. Um, you know, like I think, I think on my, like, the first time I heard it, I was like, oh, so it's kind of like four songs put together but then like as i listen to it more and more i i i see how they fit together and i Mm. i I do think it's um it's a lot more special than oh we've written four songs that aren't quite full songs let's put them together in one big song but I, i i don't i don't really think that anymore no i mean i think and i'm half remembering this from the krista makes uh krista makes a podcast where he has a two-hour conversation. Well, no, he has a um, a a one-minute, a one-hour, fifty-minute conversation with Mike about this, and then ten minutes where he has to bring him back from the subject of how great pegging is. Um, <laughs> it and he does. Do you know what, Krista makes? I'm going to say this: absolute fucking pro. Because uh, Mike's just there going. Anyway, getting pegged is brilliant. He goes, um, yeah, well, uh, certainly I, I don't, I don't really know about that, but I do know that this next section of the decline is great. I'm like, oh mate, you could have been, you could have been a broadcaster if if less than Jake had never done a thing. You, you, you. Oh wow, I was. That's that's pretty great. But I, he does know him. He does know Mike quite well. So I imagine everyone who knows Mike quite well does have sort of steering him away. <laughs> from bondage talk techniques you've always you've always mm-hmm. got that friend who wants to talk about what they want to talk about which is why we started this podcast <laughs> i haven't spoken to no effects about anyone for ages just just on this podcast it's a really really hell i'm feeling better i'm sleeping better it's so good um anyway <laughs> um but yeah that's uh i i think that from that podcast he was saying or mike was saying that he sort of had pieces that weren't full songs yet that he thought I'm going to put sure. this. so they weren't like full songs. And then we just smashed that into the back of that, smash that into the back of that. It was more <laughs> with, 
without wanting to invoke the name Woody Allen too much, the, Woody Allen had this technique where anytime he thought of something that was funny, he'd write it down on just like a strip of paper and put it in a drawer. Mm-hmm. And then after a certain amount of time, he'd go to that drawer, pull out all the strips of paper, dump them on his desk and like try and arrange them and link all of these things together. And that was how he did his early stand-up routines and stuff. Ah. Um, which is uh, the only Woody Allen approved technique I would ever recommend anyone try. <laughs> but, but it did produce like the moose um, yes. routine and stuff like that. And so, you know, and so it feels like there's that's the sort of approach that this was taken because you, you get all the pieces, but then when working on linking them together, because I'm sure you found this with stand up and stuff, you know, you want to link from one piece you've got one mm-hmm. two minute four minute piece into another one and then you find that you actually develop another two minutes out of linking the two pieces and stuff and mm-hmm. so i think that's how some of this worked yeah that my, makes sense yeah I, I, i'd be surprised if it wasn't but um, i'd be happy to hear, hear otherwise so um it's it's sort of there's a lot of there's a lot that goes on and there's a lot of very sort of complex things particularly with rhythms and uh different guitar parts there's a it's very very bass heavy this composition yeah which i was gonna say is like you know it's um it's very strikingly a new direction from so long because Mm. i think that musically and particularly on like the production side this sounds more in line with pump up the valum wolf in wolf's clothing um Hmm. than it does uh albums that precede this i think the guitars have got less gain in them Mm -hmm. they're not as overdriven um they're far from clean but they're still they're just that little there's a little more clarity to the guitars um the there's a lot more sort of distortion on the bass in certain parts yeah whereas i mean the bass on so long is so clean you could eat your dinner off of it absolutely yeah i mean so sparkly spanky it almost sounds like a. <laughs> I mean it doesn't sound like this but it it's in the it's in the realm of like how the bass in corn sounds you know how like you can just you can't hear the notes you can just hear yeah. the, the strings the jangling rattle. yeah 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 <laughs> yeah no i know what you mean uh, thankfully it, re- it retains enough um clarity because it's not down-tuned Yes. you know half an octave so it re- does retain enough clarity that you can actually hear the the melodic aspect of it but yeah there is it it does get that way whereas some of this on the decline some of the tone sounds like you know some of matt freeman's grittier bass parts and stuff like that which mm. uh I'm, I'm all for the only the only drawback i've found in my in my limited uh band experience is distorted bass disappears in the mix yeah you can't there's the it just it just turns into more guitar it's why like a lot of bands that do use distort or some bands that use distorted basses tend to be like bass and drum duos like royal blood oh, or yeah, yeah. death from above oh you can oh you can totally get away with it if it's just uh just that but there's um there's oh gosh which one is it there's um there's a, a song on the real thing by Faith No More, mm-hmm. and uh, it's really, I quite like it, but it's really annoying because there's a bit where Mike Patton rhymes "baby" with "baby," 
Hey, look at me, baby. I'm just a little baby. And even he sounds slightly reticent to say it, but it, the reason I'm meant bringing it up is that it just goes to just, just the bass, just super heavy, like really like transistor overdriven solid state amp. It's really, it's, um, it's very of its time. Like mm-hmm. the production is very clearly from then, but like as soon as the mix comes in, it's, you just lose it. And this manages to keep the the clarity. Uh, apparently, Mike played most of the guitars on this as well. Yeah, it, and and I'm guessing like that. I know he said it, so it's probably maybe true. But like I'm guessing on all of like you know the album inlay and all of that, it suggests otherwise. Well, Hefe, uh, Melvin, and Hefe did play guitar on it. Just not all of it. Like I think Hefe played. There's a, a guitar solo or two on there. Uh, the Wah Wah solo. Hefe played that. I think he played some other stuff. Melvin played probably some of the octave chord stuff. Um, so they did play on it, but like all of the palm muting stuff was done by Mike um, and various other things. But he did say that it was mainly him and Smelly who recorded this, and then. It's it's interesting because I think this is some of like the best guitar sounding stuff we've heard from NoFX up until this point. In yes, it's a it's a little surprise, isn't it? It's uh, it's it's weird to hear, but um, like I say, Hefe and Melvin did play guitar on this. Uh, they both sang on it. Hefe didn't sing any of the harmonies, but he does have his little bit. Um, Wish I had a shilling, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Uh, and uh, there's a lot of Mel yell on this. The most Mel yell we've had. Yeah, it's like the beginning of like it. You, it turns up on so long. Yeah, and maybe a little before it here and there, but it's sort of like with um, I'm telling Tim, you know, we've got someone's watching and stuff like that. All of that great stuff. That's all really really cool. But this one. Melvin is the last person to be singing on this. He's shouting that we are the queer, we are the whore, we are, you know, and all this stuff. Yeah. Really, really leaning heavy. And it's all the better for it. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like um, they all get so much to do, which is, you know, it's why it's so so much fun to see them play it live. Mm. Um, like, because, you know, there's just, it feels... I don't know, like um, one of the most complete and interesting things they've made. Yeah, it is. It really is. It's um, it's uh, a very interesting uh, sort of approach, and and it was. I think it was sort of the beginning of that thing where Mike's like um, no one else had done it, so we wanted to do it. Yeah. It seems to be that thing where they just wanted to do something that no one else had done. And uh, I mean, th- they were saying that they, there was um, uh, the Subhumans had done a song that was like 16 minutes or something like that. And that was why they, uh, why they, where they got the idea, like, well, why can't we do that? So, you know, wanted to make. There's a there's a little quote on the Wikipedia which I'm paraphrasing, but I'll just read it. Um, according to Mike, uh, 
Recording this fuck was a total nightmare. Writing it was a total nightmare. I'm glad we did it, but I wouldn't do it again. We <laughs> went back into the studio three different times and added stuff and remixed and remastered four times. It ain't no rock opera like song remains the same or nothing. We get we got the idea from subhumans, not rush. Why an 18-minute song? Just to do something different. We've done enough short songs. Time for a long one. Anyway, my advice, never try this song at home. <laughs> Great. So yeah, there we go. That was um that was from the NoFX official website, which uh no longer exists in that form. So uh that's good. But yeah. Um so yeah, Spike Slawson does uh, the harmonies along with Melvin and Mike. And that's about it for the sort of the people on it, because it was done very, you know, very particularly just by um smelly and mike so i mean do you, do you have a, a it seems a bit reductive but do you have a favorite section of this i i think there I, I don't like I, i'm gonna i'm gonna abstain from that because i think it's all interesting i think that it has good moments throughout they never gets to a point in the song and i'm like ah all the good bits are over like <laughs> yeah yeah there's always something coming up that is good and works um mm. Yeah, I you know, I, I I like all of it really. I mean like it's it starts so strong as well. I think it's got really good lyrics and yes. I also think that this uh following on from so long because I think it starts there, but Mike's bass playing um is like so on point. I, I think it kind of starts with So Long and Thanks for All the Shoes where he he is just very clearly a very good bass player, but I think it also leaks into this. I mean like some of the like the bass lines that start you know, a few of the sections are really interesting. And, you know, and, and when he plays it live, he plays it note perfect. I mean, yeah. he's a deceptively good bass player. Yes, absolutely. It's got the um, it's got the unusual triplet um, mm -hmm. uh, pattern that he plays. It's got the sort of what I call the RKL style thing like that. You know, that's pure little chris from rkl that's that's mm -hmm. him really really wanting to play that and and the 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 timings and the stuff like that i think um it it's interesting because there's sort of each each movement and i'm gonna say that each movement in sure. this does seem to go through a different theme yeah because it starts off uh, you know, there's there's little bits. The Christians love their guns. The church and NRA, and there's this. You know, well, it starts off. Where are all the stupid people from? Yeah. Um, and so there's it's sort of very very fed up with society. There's sections on the prison system. You know, um, a time in California is a twenty dollar fine, whereas you know in in Michigan or Detroit, you you know you get seven years for having a dime bag of weed whereas in california it's like hey stop stop <laughs> you know it's and and all of these things are, are really sort of super valid points that are being made i think it's uh and then there's stuff about um uh, serotonin the uh because because even in this mike is not above a pun <laughs> um but yeah the character of serotonin uh someone who's shot in the head at a protest 
and stuff like that. When the serotonin's gone, then you're gone. And I, th- I think they do a really good job of tying them all together with a single theme because it yeah. does feel like a whole song. And like, I do think that uh, even though you are right, like each section has a slightly different theme, I do think they all meet quite nicely beneath the theme of, I suppose, decline. Um, decline of a nation, decline of Western culture. Yeah. Um, I do think thematically it all it all links together very nicely. Yeah. There's gun violence. There's all of these, all of these things. It's sort of, you know, looking at uh, TV and then stuff about you know one more pill to kill the pain and mm-hmm. all that kind of thing. It's um, it it's a, a very uh, it's a very depressing piece in many, many ways, because yeah. this was written in nineteen. This was written before nine eleven. Oh wow! This was this was re- released in ninety nine. This was the decline had already begun in Mike's eyes before you know Clinton was president when this was released. Mm. Um, you know George W. Bush was. I um, oh, wasn't he the the former president's kid? Oh yeah, didn't he? do badly in business once yeah oh well what a funny story uh and then you know the story got less funny a couple of years later and uh and sort of you know that that thing of it seems weird that someone was sort of to, to us to to people you know i was 16 when 1999 ended um it seems really weird to have a sort of someone this upset with the state of US culture, society, pre-9-11, <laughs> because it feels like a really post-9-11 vibe. This yeah. is from, you know, and take into account my age, I hadn't been around for that long before, you know, all of these things. So it's sort of, it's, it's I think it's a very interesting approach, but there's the the musicality of this, I don't think I could ever tire of. There's little bits that don't show up in other no effect songs like we don't have that little tremolo yeah you know those kind of things it's got some really interesting um little bits in the background with the sort of the bass line behind uh hefe's bit and the it, it just and and that very long fade out where it's sort of gets gradually more and more midi like like, more like you're listening to it on a telephone and uh, oh you'll like this the uh, marching sound they took that from the beginning of holidays in the sun no way and then just changed the speed a little bit to uh to get it to the right yeah so the uh I've, i've always said the marching sound at the start of holiday in the sun it it like how did they rec- like it sounds so good like the march i i you know like it i've no idea it probably was a sample yeah and i'm wondering if if the version of nevermind the bollocks that i've heard is a re-release because whenever i listen to nevermind the bollocks i'm like this is really well produced oh no it is it's a really well produced album mm. but it's very very simple there's not a lot of overdubs or yes stuff like that um although there is some there is a theory. This is quite a fun theory. It's a fun theory that um, Steve Jones didn't play guitar on uh, on the album, and it was the guy who did all of the Wombles songs. <laughs> but, yeah, I, yeah. I've always, I mean, like, I do, 
I think Steve Jones is arguably like the, the most talented member of Sex Pistols. Like oh, his, I, I, his guitar yeah. work is pretty good. And yeah. in fact, I saw him because he played Glastonbury this year oh, yeah. with uh, his new band Generation Sex, which is two members of Sex Pistols, two members of Generation X with oh, Billy Idol. Perfect. Uh, I mean, like they were. It was a bit. Like it was a bit lame. It was a bit like you know, like when the Who sing "My Generation" and they sing the line, uh, "I hope I die before I get old." Yeah, it was a bit like that. I hope I die <laughs> before I get arrested. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, uh, I will point out for any of our uh, non-UK listeners, uh, the Wombles was mm. uh, a stop-motion animation kids show about a weird fictional breed of rodents who lived under Wimbledon Common in London yep. who took litter and made their house out of it. Um, yeah, and uh, but they were also, embarrassingly enough for the UK, some people get very romantic about British music and, you know, uh, such a small island, they produce all the goods. The Wombles were the biggest selling singles artist of the 1970s. I've not heard that before. I believe so. I've been told this on many <laughs> occasions. Um, uh, yeah, Get them they to had, headline Glastonbury. They, the, the Wombles have legit played Glastonbury Festival. Um, <laughs> oh, they've played, they've played live anyway. I think they did. Yeah. No, do I, they, yeah, yeah. Do they, they wear did. suits? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, straight up, straight up. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure it was Glastonbury. It was a big festival. I think it was Glastonbury. Don't fail me now. Memory. Yeah, you are right. 2011. Because oh, if I'd if I'd have imagined that, then I'd have checked myself in somewhere. But yeah. surely they're just playing to a track. Surely you can't wear those outfits and play instruments. I don't know. I I I wouldn't like to say, but uh, Pat they've Divine. Got, uh, they've got a, a string uh, section. Yeah, yeah. Pat Divine, <laughs> a Patrick Divine, a local uh, Leeds comedy legend. Um, saw them, went to see them, made a point of uh, going to see them at Glastonbury. But he's precisely the age where the Wombles were on top of the pops, you know, more often than some sex offenders. <laughs> but they, they, they were massive. They had, uh, they, they, they had album after album. Uh, they were more successful as a band, possibly, than a TV show. Wow. I mean, they're wearing gloves, but it does look like they are at least capable of playing their instruments. Yeah. It's, um, yep. So, uh, what we're saying is British music is an embarrassment and the Sex Pistols were Wombles. So, <laughs> it's just a rumor. I'm not 100% certain, but, um, uh, it's, do you know what? It's entirely possible given the way the Sex Pistols were sort of made and, uh, operated. But we're here to talk about the decline. So, live at Red Rocks in the amphitheater, um, uh, well, I tell you what. Let's let's do a little nod to the other two versions. Did you check out the uh, solo, the band live version? I watched the uh, Baz's orchestra, like just the orchestra. The okay, right. Version. Okay, so yeah, yeah. Okay, well, um, the 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 live one um, of just the band is really great. It's fantastic. Mm -hmm. It's just they were all on form, and it was just a very very solid performance. I've seen them play The Decline live and yeah, no notes. It was just super solid. And I think even even when um, Mike's been particularly, but I think playing that one is always a joy. I know that it's um, Smelly's favorite to play. 
Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah, he loves it. Absolutely loves it. So, mm. um, yep. And 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 I think you can tell it's it's just great to watch him do it live. But so so you watched it, Baz's um, orchestra version. Yeah. And then I watched them play with Baz's orchestra. Okay. What were your feelings um, on uh, Baz's orchestra? It's you know like it's so impressive, and I can see why they were blown away by it, and why they got him involved in playing alongside them because it is sort of like so flattering. I would imagine it's so flattering to them. Like yeah. Because it, it, I think when when he transposed it onto like you know and and made it playable for an orchestra, hmm. it's almost saying, well, this is you know real proper music, you know, like it. I don't. It it does legitimize. Yes. Um, it musically. This. Yeah, and you know, I think uh, particularly if people have seen no effect. No effects were good at writing songs and recording them. I think a little bit before they were good at playing live. Yeah. Which is where their reputation of, you know, I heard they suck live and all the rest of it comes from. They've always been trying to catch up with their own vision and ability. I suppose every band is really, you know, every band, you know, when you pick up a guitar, you don't want to just learn your first couple of chords and go happy with that actually i'll just stay there you know everyone Mm -hmm. wants to you know and so this is where their abilities caught up with them caught up with what they wanted to do and i think that's where you get a very fertile period of no effects particularly in the next few albums you've got valum you've got um uh errorism and you've got wolves which are the next three major releases which are definitely up there, you know yeah. what I mean. So, so I think, um, and so I think, yeah. To ha- but to have someone who, and like Baz is a is a fan of punk rock. He, if you've seen any of his other videos on YouTube, he's got um, a sort of a a sort of a vocal. Har- they're not barbershop because it isn't that style, but like a vocal harmony four piece group that he's a part of that do medleys of. Uh, no effects songs, no use for a name. I think they'll do a Blink One Eight Two. You know, all these vocal medleys that they just sort of blend together harmonies and stuff like that. Um, and what's nice is that I think he's from France or Belgium. I can't remember which, but uh, they're all singing uh, in English with these French accents, and it's uh, it's very charming. But yeah, so he's not only and also my favorite bit. Because uh, I do have a favourite bit of the uh, symphony one or the the Baz uh, version is uh, when he stops conducting and plays that triplet bass solo on the it's either the Glockenspiel or the xylophone I don't know which it's the xylophone but it's um, it's great yeah it's so good I'm like that is wild um, yeah I think it's. Uh, really really impressive and uh yeah it, it's the 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 concentration on that guy's face as he's because when you're conducting an orchestra you're literally telling them when to start and stop mm-hmm. each time they start and stop playing yeah it's such a complex thing and to do that for anything is wild and to do it for something like this is just but then there's like the tempo changes and stuff like that like the mm-hmm. first time the the trombone refrain comes in it's very very slow and sort of calm and he plays with 
he adds a lot more texture. And there's already a lot of texture in the original recording. But yeah, I think it's well worth checking out. It's um it's uh, it's a did, really really beautiful piece. Didn't um when we had Robin Leach from Random Hand on the podcast. Yes. He said that uh, supposedly during Baz's recording he, he could only afford to record it once like he could only afford the orchestra for like one take which is oh, probably yeah. why he is so concentrated <laughs> oh yeah absolutely yeah and it was also like his final piece yeah for some qualification a degree or masters or something that he was getting mm-hmm. um it's like i'm going to adapt this punk rock song into a fully fledged symphony and and i did wonder i did when i first saw it and i saw that like the pinned comment was someone or or no effect shared it somehow on social media like mike was like this is incredible i'm you know so moved by this i'm really um really really moved by it and there there is another version there's a sort of a secret version not secret but there's this weird version of no effects having the orchestra play it and then they and then they watch the whole thing from the side and then they come on right at the end to join in with that final da 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 bit and that's when the drums kick in and they all start playing and i thought oh that's kind of cool they've they've done that and then they announced that they were doing the whole thing together like a full on Metallica S and M style. And yeah, I was like, I I could just tell it. You knew it was going to happen when you watch it. You're like, there's no way they're not getting this to happen together because it's just so good. Yeah, and I would have imagined when it was announced at the time, like it, you know, like that. That's um, if you were capable of going, you would have wanted to because it would be such a special no effects gig, like to hear that song in oh, full absolutely. with an orchestra live. Yeah, no, no two ways about it. So, um, so which brings us on to, um, I don't know whether it's the definitive one. I think the good thing about the decline is that there isn't a definitive one. Yeah, um, I certainly wouldn't want to choose it because uh, that would mean lowering the other ones in in our estimations. Hello everyone, Eddie here. Red and I hope you're enjoying our show. If you have been and would like to help us make it a little more easily, then you can donate to us at our coffee page, which is ko-fi.com forward slash punkrockelite, or you can look in the show notes for our link tree. If you can't help us financially, we totally understand, but would love it if you spread the word to other people who would like this podcast. We thank you for your continued support. We massively appreciate it. Back to the show. The Decline, live with Baz's orchestra. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, this has been part... <laughs> uh, it's wonderful, isn't it? It's... Uh, I, I think it... I don't know. I, I, I'm not... I'm not clever enough to know whether any of the orchestration was rewritten to accommodate having a four-piece band in there. Yeah, that would be interesting to know. Yeah, I uh, because there are some bits, you know, that float over the top of others. You know, there's little um, stabs in the orchestra here and there. So I don't know whether 
the orchestra does a little bit less or whether they, I, I don't know. Well, I think they do because in the original version, the, they have like the string section largely play the vocal melody line, which I don't think that they do in this version. Right, yes, that would that would make a lot of sense. And, and I'm also, I don't think they have a full percussion section in this bit. I think it's slightly smaller orchestration. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I think also I noticed um, in the credits, it says that uh, Karina Danike, drink everyone, uh, she played <laughs> like a, a sort of a, a double bass part, but on the keyboard. Right, yeah. So she's there. She's not singing, which I consider to be a waste, but we won't go into that. But she's so. But she's actually playing one of the orchestral parts on the keyboard presume I, I don't know how that came about whether they went let's give us something to do or they went uh, oh well you can play that we don't need this extra but whatever it is i don't know and I, I do think that she's quite hidden away in the video like i think i only noticed that she was there on like my second viewing of yeah. the the uh the live version with the orchestra and you know I, I would like a little bit more karina in this of course but uh that's really the only notes I have. The, the whole thing is uh, is is really fantastic. I mean, they, they do some things. There are little changes that work brilliantly. Um, for example, after the uh, after the first triplet rolls that Fat Mike plays on the bass, then there's a few bars of sil- of sort of silence, and then Baz plays the the percussive version on the xylophone and i think there's only a couple bars of silence so that he has time to run over to the xylophone oh yeah yeah, absolutely yeah yeah no that's that's entirely why but then mike doesn't play the triplets as he's singing the next bit Mm -hmm. because it's being taken care of by the xylophone and things like that you know jefe doesn't play the trombone on this one i don't believe he plays trumpet briefly oh does he oh okay um, it's quite funny because I'm like, you don't, you, you don't need to do that, man. You've got like a. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, hey, look, maybe you wanted to play with the orchestra, in which case, you know, why not? You know, you can tick that one off. So, um, so yeah, and there's so there's some bits where, and also like the first, um, or it might be the second instance of when the uh, the trombone comes back in, everything drops, and it just has a bed of shimmering uh, shimmering strings with and then the drums sort of do a, after a couple of rounds of that the drums roll in and then it starts again and it's it the i i love that they they have i was saying i wonder if there have been any changes i've just listed loads of them that i knew i don't <laughs> I, I hope what i meant came across um but yeah those those adaptations to make it what it is and for a band who, I mean, they said initially they'd never play The Decline live. And then they went, ah. well, why shouldn't we? They went, you know, they did that um, Lord of the Rings meme with Bilbo looking at the ring going, why not? After all. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. I'm like, well, well, let's play it live because that's a stupid thing to do. So let's do it. It's like, it's not stupid. It's fucking inspired. It's amazing that they that they do that live. And they must have played it, you know, hundreds of times. And so to then play it with these changes, 
that must have been so, because not to say they go on autopilot, but when you know how a song goes, you carry on playing it. I suppose mm-hmm. maybe that's that's it. But yeah, I think it's um, I think it's a really really wonderful achievement to have done a really organic S and M style thing because you know Metallica did S and M. Um, which I think was around the time that the decline was first released, it was like very late nineties. You know, the it was um, it was a, a guy who did a lot of film composing. He did the string arrangement for um, Nothing Else Matters and stuff like that. And um, and I think S and M by Metallica is a really great thing. I really really like it. I think it's one of my favourite Metallica things. And then a few years later, Kiss did it and decided that they'd invented it. Sure, uh, and that was um, largely shit. The Melbourne Philharmonic or whoever it was—they—they they were all very. Of course, they're very good. They're—they're they're a, a major city's Philharmonic Orchestra. They're not going to be shit, you know. But it felt a little bit thrown together. And they were more interested in the fact that all of the orchestra were wearing Kiss makeup rather than anything else you know it was a bit to say that kiss did something gimmicky i was about to do say the most redundant thing that's ever been said on a music podcast but anyway um all that kind of stuff and different bands have done stuff with orchestras you know in the past cypress hill on the simpsons uh you know all that kind of stuff but the this one felt like it was a very organic thing because it wasn't like they'd sat around going what can we do plotting how can we make this song relevant or whatever? It literally took someone who went, I'm going to turn that into a full orchestrated symphony. And then they went, whoa, that's cool. And then they got to know the guy. I think he lived at Mike's house for a bit. You know, he works with him as one of the decomposers. That makes sense. uh, And all the rest of it. And then they're like, oh, shit, why don't we do a full band and orchestra version? It feels... And it did, it doesn't feel rushed because it didn't happen like the week after, mm-hmm. and it has been done properly. And I think it's a, a massive, massive achievement. One of my like favorite bits of this is how involved Baz is in the live version, and how much you know No Effects are clearly happy to give him free reign. Like, like he's not over in a corner conducting an orchestra. Yeah, he's running all over. He he briefly plays a bit of cymbals, I believe, on Smelly's drum kit. Yes. And there are some really fun moments where he has to come in front of the band so that he can conduct them all to start together. So like the orchestra and no effects. And no effects, yeah. Um, and he's having so much fun. Isn't he? It's 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 infectious. It's uh it's yeah, watching it is is the preferred delivery system because I, I was listening to it. Uh, on headphones while I was doing various things, mm-hmm. uh, running. Ugh. But um, <laughs> it's quite good because, uh, you know, no matter how long it takes, you never run out of stuff to listen to. So, uh, you know, that, that, and so you do miss out on that. But even just on the audio alone, just on that, it really doesn't, it really doesn't get much better. Um, and it even starts off with... Uh, Starts off with some of the the bants, you know. Does bad religion have a bassoon? Yeah. 
Uh, the answer is no. Um, and then and it ends on a really lovely joke with like, okay, we've got one more song. This one's called <laughs> Fuck the Kids, which is obviously a six second song. Yeah. <laughs> fuck the kids, fuck the kids. Okay, good night. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, it's a shame that Baz didn't orchestrate that. But... Yes. <laughs> So close yet so far. Um, I, I also boom. think it's a really cool choice of venue because when I was watching the video, I was like, oh, holy shit, is that Red Rocks? Because I, I'm vaguely familiar with Red Rocks Amphitheatre because a couple of stand-ups have filmed their special there. Oh, um, cool. Uh, Bill Burr did one of his most recent ones there. And okay. Brian Reagan, who is a great stand-up that not a lot of people over in the UK know, but he is massive in the US. And if you want uh, a little recommendation, if you go and watch Brian Reagan's walkie-talkie bit mm-hmm. on YouTube, I think it's one of the greatest bits of stand-up ever written. Oh, wow. uh, okay. Brian Reagan, walkie-talkie. Type it in. Have some fun. There's your recommendation for some fun. Cool. Uh, but I'll, I I'll... wouldn't recommend watching his special from Red Rocks or Bill Burr's special from Red Rocks. It, it just happens to be, in my opinion, there their worst special oh, their the least special specials but yeah. uh, but in the most appealing location great venue like a beautiful venue and location mm. and whatever team is running that as a live event space has absolutely smashed it it's really well lit it sounds amazing and it's just such a cool location amazing well i'm delighted to hear that that's uh that's a good thing i mean i think his was it Ali Bryce who suggested giving someone the decline and if they don't like that, then they might as well not bother? You know, and I think he's really onto something and I think a couple of other our other guests have suggested the same. But, That's true, yeah. You know, I, like, I might be misquoting Ali. I can't, I can't remember. I no, he definitely... Oh, okay, cool. cool. I, I think he, he definitely did because I know that he did that to one of his workmates, didn't he? he sat oh, them he down did, with yes, a set you're right. That's, that's the story <laughs> I'm half remembering. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I think it's a great idea because I do think that the decline, it <clears throat> it doesn't feel like a departure from what no effects do. It feels very much like an example of the entire body of their work, you know, like mm. it. Uh, uh, so I suppose aside from like, there isn't really like a scar reggae bit in it, which I, I guess is a shame. Um, uh, maybe, but I don't know because it doesn't... It... There are, there's that sort of little jaunty bit. Yes. ever asked, does anybody learn him from the past? Yeah. There's, which sort of shows that sort of more Herb Alberty kind of, I don't want to say easy listening, but sort of, you know. Well, it's a, it, a, it's a almost all out of angst sort of no yeah. effects, I guess. But it's it's got a bounce to it. It's not, I wouldn't call it scar, but it's got, there's something to it. There's slower bits i think krista makes referred to those bits as the beatles parts which is um and with the certainly with the 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 harmonies and the backing vocals and stuff in that there's a sort of beach boys beatles thing going on in there definitely um and i i think that i think that it's very difficult to dismiss no effects as as the the sort of fratty blink 182-esque don't they just do songs about wanking and doing a big shit 
uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's really, I don't know that NoFX have ever done a song like that, really, or like loads of them, but for some reason they do get lumped in. And I think it's the onstage banter. I think it's um, the fact they, you know, a lot of songs about lesbians and stuff like that. And I think when you have a song with a couple of puns here and there, but it's sort of wordplay rather than joke puns, I suppose. Very serious subject matter, very direct and blunt mm-hmm. lyrically and musically so ambitious. Yeah. I, th- I think that anyone who dismisses them as aren't they just, aren't they just, aren't they just. Yeah there's not i i've i don't think you can i think if you answered that with the decline they'd have a very difficult job i'm sure some debate bro would love to you know talk about that because that's not what debates are but you know you know it's 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 almost a redemptive action in a way not that i think they needed redeeming but well, it's, you know, like, like you know, has a, a band this silly ever felt this serious? I don't know, like, there's something... Uh, we mentioned earlier about how this song uh, was, like, legitimized by there being, like, an orchestral version. But I think in a lot of ways, the song itself legitimizes no effects as a serious force to be reckoned with. Yes, and I would argue that no one needs to do that. Mm, yeah. If if people are buying your records for what, for, for generally for whatever reason, broadly speaking, there's a couple of reasons, maybe not, but generally speaking, if people are buying your records and attending your shows and buying your t-shirts and all the rest of it, you that's all the legitimization you need. But I think I, no effects are very divisive. Lots of people can't stand no effects. And I think that's got worse. It's got worse. That's got more intense recently because it used to be they didn't do interviews throughout most of the 90s. And since um, Punk Voter, George Bush, you know, they're, they're wanting to get George Bush voted out, all that stuff, they broke that, or Mike broke that, to talk about that. And he's someone. He's you know he he says that he never lies. He's like I I can't lie. I just don't. I always I'm always honest. Mm-hmm. And normally I find people who go I'm just honest, mate. I just say just say how I find it. That's it. You just I'm just straight up. I don't lie. I normally find those people interminable because it just basically means well well no I just, I don't lie. It's like yeah well you don't have to lie, but you don't have to say what you think in such an uh, abrasive and unpleasant way when that wasn't entirely called for. I, I think I mean? there's a big difference between rudeness and honesty. Oh, there is, yeah. Well, the thing is, you can you can lie very rudely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, you, r- r- rudeness does not... Yeah, exactly. And so some people, uh, you know, it's that thing of some of us go, mate, that was dog shit. You know, well, cheers. Like, whoa, whoa, I'm just being honest. I'm just being honest. You'll never grow if you're not honest. It's like, well... No, you'll never grow if you're not told how to. So tell me how that could have been better. Or by not being shit. Like, okay, cool. Yeah, you're a, well, are you an entrepreneur? You sound like one. You're amazing. Um, 
you know, you get that kind of uh, bullshit. And I think he sort of, you know, he says stuff like that. Oh, that band wasn't very good. That band had two good songs. That record was bad, you know, stuff mm-hmm. like that. And what he means is, I think that, but he says it as fact, which is sure. very irritating, I find. But if you learn to decode that as, I don't like that, you go, well, fine then. You don't have to, whatever. But again, to say that no effects aren't a legitimate thing when faced with a decline. I don't know if it was written with that in mind. It seems to have just been a little personal challenge. Yeah. But equally, if it was done to, in some way, alleviate these kind of accusations. I, I think it's... He could have done a lot worse, couldn't he? <laughs> Absolutely. I, I think it's kind of been made to diversify their output, you know, to, you know, um, uh, criticism of a lot of similar punk bands, but I don't think necessarily no effects, is that oh, it, it's all the same, you know, album to album, it, it feels the same. It feels like they're just retreading what they've done before. Yeah. But like you know, this is such a departure from anything they've done previously, but also sounds, you know, great alongside all of their mm. other work. It does. It it makes it makes sense. And again, taking a discography as a series of albums or releases, it's really weird that the band that started the 90s with Ribbed mm-hmm. pretty much ends the 90s with the decline. Yeah, really interesting. Isn't that... What a, a journey. Trip? Yeah. You're like, wow. How did that happen? And it's, it's, uh, it's an incredible thing because, you know, if you take a 10-year period of time, how radically different are other bands that people compare them to blink 182 i'm just pulling out of the air for no particular reason but i mean over 10 years did they end up with a different they ended up with a different member maybe i'm not sure though also you know so long and thanks for all the shoes ends on a secret track which is you know howard stern Mm. insulting them no no effects no the no talent is the name of this band yeah. Um. I wonder if this is almost uh, a fuck you to Howard because you know there's uh, you you cannot make this track without talent. I no, mean, it's, uh, I, I wouldn't like to say for definite either way, but it could be a it could be a cumulative effect that was not necessarily conscious. We're getting yeah. into some real psycho babble here right now. Just. I mean, this is all armchair <laughs> speculation, but that is what we have set our stall out on. So we're going to continue with it. But it's very, very possible that upon hearing people, you know, because by this point, they're making a very nice living. Yep. They are comfortable people with families. Some of them. Two big albums as well. At this two point. big albums. They've had, They've got families. They've been touring all over the place. They'll have toured... Japan, Europe, the UK, uh, US, Canada, you know, by this point, they'll have done, they've done tons of stuff. They've, you know, 
Fat Mike's definition of success. They're doing what they want to do with their friends and they can all afford to not have day jobs whilst doing it. Yeah. Like, ding, ding, we have a winner. And to be constantly sort of dismissed as, oh, well, you know, bad religion took pity on them, so gave them a record deal or, you know, oh, they're the they're the you know the non-thinking man's punk band or something like that you know they don't they don't have the sort of the street cred of a rancid they don't have the intellectual um reputation of bad religion they don't have the virtuosity of a lag wagon you know and all this kind of thing and it's and i don't think i don't think they hold any ill will towards any of those bands because they're all their friends but it must get a little disheartening to hear negative things about your band yeah but you know also they do court all of it themselves you know by releasing albums called i you know i've heard they suck live and yes well you know um you know uh, the (laughs) The uh, the fat guy who makes the fat guy jokes about himself first is uh, never doing that because they're happy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Maybe that. I don't know. Look, I'm, there's a lot of projection here going on. I could be entirely wrong. But it, you... I, think, I think it's interesting that after, after being, well, after being initially a not very good band and then becoming a good band, they then, you know, finish their second decade of being a band by doing this. Mm-hmm. It's pretty wild. Absolutely. And well, I'd, I'd love to hear, like, people's experiences with this album. If anybody has any, like, big memories of it or, like, their first impressions or how yeah. they feel about it now. Like, I feel like this is um, one of the albums that people are going to be interested to hear this episode because I, I think that it holds a special place in a lot of NoFX's fans' hearts. And I, mm-hmm. I, I'd love to hear other people's experience of it and what they what they find about it. Absolutely. Please do. Uh, PunkRockElitePodcast at gmail.com. I'd be particularly interested to hear if there are any people who don't rate this song particularly mm. highly. Yeah. Because I don't think we've encountered any. I've not. Re- I mean, I've encountered people who don't like No Effects who don't like it. Yeah, but that's not interesting. Are you a No Effects fan who sort of goes, yeah, I don't know. They they lost me a bit of decline, but uh, I came back for Pump Up the Valum. You know, I'd I'd love to know your reasonings on it. Um, yeah, we'll tell you what. Let's um, let's draw a line under it here. We'll bounce out to the outro. And uh, and we'll uh, we'll see you there in a minute. But this was, uh, you know, uh, they've got theirs. I've got mine. This was the decline. (laughs) (laughs) Outro time. Good talk. Do it up. Great. Very good. And a Mark Maron impression. You're full of them today. Nothing wrong with that. Absolutely nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong with that. That is... Oh. The decline could be talked about for a lot longer than we did, but we thought we'd spare you. <laughs> because, wow, uh, there's a lot, eh? Yeah, and you know, like, we, we we covered all the different versions of the decline as well. Yes, absolutely. I think um, 
I think you could you could spend quite the afternoon indulging in the decline various YouTube videos people have done different covers of it and stuff there's one guy I've uh, there's way more than one guy it's gone uh, the decline cover acoustic and it's just one person with a guitar for 18 minutes and braver people than me can sit through that I I find it uh, a bit much not that no shade <laughs> on anyone doing it because I haven't and I couldn't but uh, yeah it was uh, something else and uh yeah so there you go if you have any uh ideas opinions or what have you on the decline or timmy the turtle for that matter let's not overlook that little uh that little hidden gem mm-hmm. punk rock elite podcast at gmail.com lovely got anything coming up in the nears um that is a great question you know what next couple of weeks it's all about uh we've, we've got a friend a friend's wedding ah. to go to so there's a lot of stuff over the next couple of weeks that's all like, uh, you know, personal, not not very much like work stuff going on. Gotcha. So, um, yes, that's the thing. Weddings do take up the entire week because you've got to sort of say things like, well, need to do that now because we'll be in whatever town for the whole weekend yeah, and, and all that kind of stuff. So you're like, yeah, well, oh, I mean, okay. So we're not, remember, we're not going to be here on Friday because we're leaving at like lunchtime. That's basically the day written off. It's, <laughs> it's just such a punk podcast. I'm so pleased but, we're this cool. But also it's the Edinburgh Fringe Festival right now. So that means ah. that my work generally is, is quite quiet this month because basically yes. any agent or comedian that I want to contact to get them to do like some sort of like, promotional work or something for my venue uh, they're all very busy doing the largest arts festival in the world so yes. bit of a quiet one for me bit of a quiet that's okay that can't be bad and you've got a wedding to look forward to okay cool well um we'll uh, we'll leave it there then thank you so much for listening everybody we really do appreciate it and uh, we'll see you next time bye bye see you soon sir Thank you for listening to Punk Rock Elite. It was a Pick Scrapes and Fruitcake co-production by Eddie French and Red Redmond. If you're not following us on Instagram or subscribe to the podcast, please do. The main theme and production was done by Eddie French. Please contact us at punkrockelitepodcast at gmail.com. Thank you. Thank you.